That's probably not a good sign for what's to come. That's a mic drop. That is a mic drop. Royce is out. Oh, man. Well, today is going to be a little bit different. Uh, We're going to take a break from our Nehemiah series as we come into the Christmas season. And uh, just take about three weeks leading up to Advent and talk about children and families, uh, especially as we come into a time like this where we are celebrating the birth of a child. And uh, also because I'm dedicating my daughter today and a lot of the, especially when I'm not preaching from a book of the Bible, I kind of use you guys to think through ideas. And uh, so when I think through an idea or I meditate on something, I want to share it with somebody. And so I share it with you guys. Uh, and if it doesn't make sense, then I never say it again. Uh, but you guys are kind of like the guinea pigs for that. So uh, today what we're going to do with that said is I'm going to look at why we are doing a child dedication at all. You know, what's the point of it? Is it just kind of something nice to do so that we have a picture to put on Facebook or, you know, something that's just kind of a milestone in life and you just do it because you do it? Or is there some deeper meaning behind it? And at least for me and Taylor and for this church, I believe that there's a deeper meaning behind it. We're not just doing it because it's a nice thing to do. We're doing it for some reasons and for some things that we believe that it signifies. Uh, there are three things that I'll look at today that I think that it signifies. And we'll do it at the end of the service. But three things that when we are taking the oaths as parents and then you as a church take an oath to help us as parents, there are three things that we're kind of doing in that. Our child dedication signifies an outward sign of our hope in the promises of God for our children. Number two, it's an outward sign of our child's inclusion into our church community. And number three, it's an outward expression of thanksgiving for a child that has been added to our community. But before I jump into that, let me pray, uh, and then we will get going. Father God, thank you so much for the blessing that children are. Thank you for the two that we get to dedicate today. Uh, Lord, I cannot wait to see what you do in the lives of these girls And I pray that as a church family, we would surround them and we would help them and we would uh, be there to point them in your ways. I pray for their parents. Pray for uh, us as we try to raise these kiddos. God, I pray that you would help us do it in the way that you would want us to do it. And I pray, uh, God, for all of us that we would have a vision uh, for children, that we would love children the way that you love them. God, it's in your name that I pray. Amen. Amen. All right, so number one is it's an outward sign of our hope in the promises of God for our children. Now, there's kind of two ways that we need to think about this. Whenever we look at the the promises that God gives to parents in the scriptures, it's always important to know that those promises are built on the foundation of parents obeying what God has called them to do. So when we get up here in just a moment and we take an oath to do what we are supposed to do as parents and raising them in the Lord, it's important that you know that the promises of God kind of work together with the work that we are to do as parents. So when I take an oath here in a minute, what I'm going to be doing is I'm going to be promising that I will expose my daughter Blakely to the Christian life, that she will see the Christian life, see the Christian faith, albeit very imperfectly, through my life and through her mother's life, and that we will have a home that is saturated with the gospel, that we will always take every opportunity possible to point her to Jesus. We will pray with her. We will teach her the scriptures, and we will have her be a part of this community of people. We will raise her in the church so that she can begin to see what it looks like to have a faith, that she walks in the promises of God. And then the second part of this is that as parents, we have a hope that we can look to. Then the hope is this. That God is going to be with our child and that we believe one day she will make her own profession of faith. That is the hope that I hold on to as a parent. I'm going to raise her in the ways of the Lord and I hold on to the hope that God will do what he is to do. That God will make sure that Jesus is seen to her. She will behold Jesus. She will believe in Jesus. And one day she'll be baptized into Jesus. Now the promise 
are built on the word of God. Proverbs 22, 6 says, start a youth out in his way, and even when he grows old, he will not depart from it. Ephesians 6, 4 says, fathers, don't stir up anger in your children, but bring them up in training and instruction of the Lord. And then we see in Isaiah 59, 21, it says, as for me, this is my covenant with them, says the Lord. My spirit who is on you and my words that I put in your mouth will not depart from your mouth or from the mouths of your children, or from the mouths of your children's children. From now on and forever, says the Lord. And then the last one is Acts 2.39. It says, For the promise is for you and for your children, and for all who are far off, as many as the Lord our God will call. Now, it's important to note that these promises uh, are promises built upon what we are to do as parents, but it's also, especially when we read like in the Proverbs, where it says if you train up a child in the way that he goes, that that is what happens most of the time. You know, it's not something that happens all of the time. There are times in which, because of God's purposes, we have a prodigal child. And maybe in our own lifetime, we don't get to see that prodigal child come home. But this is for most scenarios. In most scenarios, we raise a child up in the Lord, and we do so with the hope and the expectation that God will do what God does, and that they will one day have their own faith in God. That from the dedication, the next big milestone will be that their baptism is taking place on the profession of their own faith. Now, this is... Uh, A lot like your own wedding day, for those of you that have been married. On your wedding day, it was probably a special day. It was an amazing ceremony, I would imagine. Uh, But here's what I know. It doesn't matter how amazing or happy the ceremony is. There's not a direct correlation to a happy marriage. You can have the greatest wedding. You can say the vows perfectly, and it does not mean you're going to have the perfect marriage. No, for the marriage to play out, you actually have to live out your vows. It's one thing to say your vows. It's another thing to actually live those vows out. The vows you probably said on your wedding day went something like this. You said, I take you, whoever was willing to take you. And in my case, it was Taylor, and I was very blessed by that. I take you to be my wife slash husband. I do promise and covenant before God and these witnesses to be your loving and faithful husband and slash wife in plenty and in want, in joy and sorrow, in sickness and in health, as long as we both shall live till death do us part. Hey, you probably said something like that. Now, here's what I know. You could say those and then not live those covenant, that covenant promise that you made out, and the result will not be a happy, fruitful, long marriage. And no, the ceremony is important, but living the vows out is even more important. So as we come up here and we dedicate our children, it's an important thing. I'm glad that we're doing it. It's exciting. It's fun. But what's really important is that we dedicate our children to the Lord throughout their entire life. Which is why the first three questions that we ask somebody, and at the end of this, uh, the parents will stand up here and we'll say, we do, to confirm that we will do these things. And the first three that we ask them are, do you commit to praying for your child? Do you commit to pointing your child to active faith in Jesus? Do you commit to showing your child the way of Jesus through both your words and your actions? You see, it's not just, hey, we had this kind of ceremony and this magical thing is supposed to kind of overtake our child and now we don't have to do anything else. No, our duty is just now beginning. As we dedicate our child to the Lord, now we actually have to do the work of raising our child up in the Lord. And the reason why we do this in front of everybody on a day that's exciting like this is very similar to the same reason why you do it when you get married. Why we throw a big party when somebody gets married. The first reason is sometimes we need accountability. I need accountability when somebody sees me. Hopefully one of my brothers in Christ would see me not living out my vows to my wife. I need them to say, hey, Blake, I was there when you made vows to Taylor. You need to knock it off, knucklehead, and keep the vows that you kept. Hopefully they'd say it a little bit nicer, but something along those lines. You know, if I were to ever come to the people who are at my wedding and say, you know, Taylor and I, we're going to break our covenant. We're going to get divorced. 
And they said, well, why are you getting divorced? And I were to say to them, well, because I fell out of love. You know what they should do? They should say, I don't remember that being in your vows. I don't think you said tell love do us part. You said tell death do us part. And the same is very true when it comes to raising our children in the Lord. You know, hey, I I was there, Blake, when you said you were going to raise your child up in the church. You were going to pray for her. You were going to pray with her. You're going to teach her the ways of the Lord. And you're not doing that. So why are you not doing that? Because I was there. I saw it. You can't deny that it happened. It's the accountability I get. And the second reason why we do weddings in front of everybody and we're doing a child dedication in front of everybody is sometimes we need hope. Now, if you're a parent, you know how hard it can be. I'm just now beginning the journey. And sometimes two months feels like two decades of of trials and and pain. And I can only imagine what's to come. Parenting is like the, the highest of highs and the lowest of lows. And sometimes we need hope. We need to be reminded of God's promises to us. We need to go back to that special day and say, keep moving forward in hope and faith in what God is going to do. This is actually why weddings were uh, so fun and, and, and festival-like. In fact, you know, in Jewish tradition, the wedding would go on for a whole week. And the reason why they would do that is because they wanted all your friends and family there on your very best day as a couple. So that they could remind you of the vows you made when you're in your very worst day as a couple. That on the day that we celebrate, it's a day where we can look back on and remember the hope that we have in Jesus Christ for our children. Now, that's the first sign. Uh, the second reason why we do it is it is an outward sign of our children's inclusion in our community of faith. In many ways, as a parent today, I am presenting Blakely to you as our newest member of Ascent Church. That's, that's basically what I'm doing in the dedication. Because she is like a member of the church. Now, she is not a member of the church. She is like a member of the church. And the reason why I say she is like a member of the church and not a member of the church is to be a member of the church, the capital C church, the body of God, we must be baptized into Christ. And I cannot do that for Blakely. So this is, you could also kind of subtitle this part, why we don't baptize babies. I have a lot of friends who are pedo baptists They would baptize babies. And I understand more and more why that is the case for them. It makes a lot of sense. They're baptizing their children into the covenant uh, that, uh, that we have as Christians, which makes a lot of sense to me. But I can't all the way get there because I believe that for Blakely to be baptized into the covenant, she's going to have to make that decision herself one day. Because like with all covenants, I want her to have the decision for herself. It's the same reason why I'm against arranged marriages. Although since I've had a daughter, I'm a lot more for it. (laughs) If she would allow me to arrange it, I would probably arrange it. But I'm not going to do that to her because she has to make a huge commitment to a man in her life. Uh, One day a man is going to come and he's going to say that he loves her. And, And she's going to have to decide if he's the man that she can respect. If she's the man that she can build a life with. I cannot decide that for her. If I decided it for her, it wouldn't work out anyways. She has to make that decision, and I want her to make that decision. And when she makes that decision, she will have a ceremony. And at the ceremony, she will have vows that are said. She'll take his last name and leave my last name behind, and she'll wear a ring. And that ring will be a symbol of the covenant that she has with this man that she has now married. Well, friends, in the church, our covenant, our our sign, our ring, if you will, that tells everybody who we are is baptism. It's a choice that we all must make. And one day, Blakely will have to make that choice herself. She will have to make the choice to say, I have seen Jesus. I love Jesus. I believe in Jesus. And I submit all that I am to Jesus. I I am making him the Lord of my life. And then when she does that, and I pray for that day, it might be when she's six. It might be when she's 16. I don't know when it'll happen. But on that day, we will rejoice and we will baptize her. And she'll be a fully included member of Ascent Church. So so what I mean, she's like a member of the church. Well, what I mean is right now, 
She gets to do everything we get to do pretty much. Uh, Blakely will be here and you guys will love her, uh, hopefully like the way you love each other. She will experience the love of the community of God. She'll be here on the Lord's Day. She'll hear her father preach, which she might not like all the time. I'm sure I will bore her to sleep many Sundays, but she'll be here in the community. She'll go to family meals with us and she'll eat meals and she'll partake in the community that we have. But what she will not do is she will not partake in communion because communion is for those who are a part of the body of Christ, those who have been baptized into it. And what we will do is when we get to parts like that where she cannot partake because she's not a believer is I will use that as an example to tell her about Jesus. When she's on my lap and everybody gets up and they begin to get their communion elements and dad and mom get their communion elements and we partake and she says, dad, why can't I partake of communion? That's when I'll get to tell her about Jesus Christ. I'll get to tell her about what he did for her and who he is. And then my prayer and my hope is that one day she will behold Jesus. She will see him in all his glory and she will for herself say, I love Jesus It's not my dad's faith. It's not my mom's faith. It's my faith. I love Jesus and I believe in Jesus. And then at that time, she will be baptized into Christ. And then the very next family meal we have, guess what? She will partake in Christ as a full member of God's family. But in the meantime, she is going to be a part of this family. And the reason why is a lot is the same reason why you speak English to your baby when you take them home from the hospital. Now, uh, I I always knew that they don't give you much information when they send you home from the hospital, but it is very terrifying when you actually have to take an infant home from the hospital. I mean, they give you nothing. There is no owner manual. The only thing they gave me was this booklet about three pages long, and literally the whole thing is ways I could kill her, which is terrifying. So like for the first three nights, you know, I'm just looking at her in the crib, making sure she didn't have this symptom or that symptom or this symptom. It's a terrifying endeavor. I wish it was more like a car where you got a car manual. You know, you could open it 13 years old. What do we do here? It, It just it does not work that way. And the same is true with language. Now, when you take your daughter or your son home from the hospital, I would assume you speak to them in English. And the reason why you speak to them in English is because that's all you know is English. And you know that they don't know English, but you have faith that if you keep speaking English long enough, what's eventually going to happen? They're going to become fluent in the language. Now, later on down the road, we talk about grammar and we talk about all the rules of English. But, but they begin to learn English by living within a household of English. Well, friends, in the same way, we want them to become fluent in their faith. And the way that you begin to understand the faith is by living in a community of faith where that faith is lived out. Uh, My prayer is that Blakely would be able to say exactly what Timothy was able to say. This is what Paul says to him in 2 Timothy 3.15. He says, and you know, this is Paul speaking to Timothy, that from infancy you have known the sacred scriptures, which are able to give you wisdom for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. That's my prayer. My prayer is that from infancy, Blakely would always know the, the way to salvation. She would have the wisdom necessary to know Jesus Christ. That should be all of our prayers as parents. Really, what my prayer is, is that Blakely would have a very boring testimony. I don't want her to have an exciting testimony. You've probably heard exciting testimonies. You know, the guy who was selling drugs and got his thumb cut off and, you know, a Bible just happened to fall from the sky and he opened it up and he saw Jesus and his whole life was entirely changed. I don't want that testimony for my daughter. I want her to have what you would call a boring testimony. I grew up in the church. I saw Jesus at a young age and I avoided a lot of mistakes that other people made because I knew Jesus at a young age. That's not the kind of testimony that she's going to be able to write a book about. But to me, that is the most exciting testimony there could possibly be. 
And one of the ways that we help, we try to make that testimony be that way, is by raising her in the community of God's people. Now, number three is uh, that what we're going to do when we uh, dedicate Blakely here in just a moment is it is an outward expression of our thanksgiving for the child added to our community. It's, it's thanksgiving to God for what he has given us. That's why we're doing We're so excited about what God has given us that we have to celebrate with our church family. And we believe that our church family ought to be so excited about a new baby that they would want to celebrate with us. And so we all have to have this opportunity where we can give thanksgiving to God. And that's part of the reason why we do the child dedication. We live in a culture that sees children more as a burden than a blessing. Uh, people are waiting longer than ever to have children. Why? Well, in some ways I can see wisdom in it, but the, the whole idea behind it for most people is that children are going to slow me down. Children are something I'll add later to my life, but I've got more important things to pursue right now. As if there is anything more important than raising a child. There's a lot of talk uh, about you know, women who want to work, and I am all for women working. My wife has got her degree. She's going to work. But I want her to work because she feels called by God to do it, not because she feels like raising children is a lesser thing to do. It is very sad to me that in our culture, somebody would ever think, a woman would ever think that she is lesser than because she stays at home and raises her children. No, that is the most important thing we can do. Father or mother is to be there and raising our children. That is the legacy that we will leave behind. I don't know what job you do, but it's not as important as raising your child. And yet we live in a culture that would tell us that children are a burden. They slow you down. They weigh you down. They're not a blessing. And we as the church have to reject that wholeheartedly. And we say, no, children are a blessing. In fact, God would say that that's part of what is supposed to happen when you get married. We live in a culture also that says marriage is kind of based on this bond of love. So it's all about your feelings and your satisfaction. When in reality, God would say, no, marriage is to, to show the world the gospel of Jesus Christ. The husband is to love his wife in the way that Christ loved the church. And the church is to love her husband in the way, uh, sorry, we are to love, the women are to love their husband in the way the church is to love Christ. And what happens when the church and Christ come together? We are fruitful. There are disciples. Well, in a marriage, what is supposed to happen in a healthy marriage is that you have children. Now, of course, there are times in which you're not able to have children or things happen. And that's not what I'm referring to here. I mean, in a healthy and a normal marriage, what is supposed to happen, the offspring of a healthy marriage is offspring. It is children. And Malachi 2.15 says this. He's speaking about marriage and he's saying, didn't God make them one, them being the people who are married, and give them a portion of the spirit? What is the one seeking? What is the marriage seeking? Godly offspring. So watch yourself carefully so that no one acts treacherously against the wife of his youth. Children matter to God because his purpose is to have godly offspring. And it ought to matter to us as well. And this is a very unpopular truth in our society where we have aging professional couples who do not have children because they're seeking their own selfish ambitions. And they see children as a drag on their life. It's unpopular to people in our culture who care more about their physical appearance than to have children. I heard a story that really blew my mind uh, from the New York Times a couple weeks ago. And it was talking about how uh, some people were getting abortions simply because they didn't want stretch marks. This should really cause us to stop and say, wait a minute. We care more about our physical appearance than we do giving life. And yet that is the culture that we kind of swim in. That is the culture that we must fight back against. No, children are not a burden. They are an absolute blessing to us. And this is going to be very unpopular in our culture. But friends, just because it's unpopular doesn't mean it's any less true. Now, as I said, children are a blessing and you might be physically unable to have children or because of the calling of God in your life, 
you choose not to have children. But these are rare circumstances. Now, some people decide to stay single and not have children. A couple of big names come to mind. Jesus and uh, the Apostle Paul uh, seemed to do okay within the will of God, and they didn't have any children. So I want to acknowledge that. But I want to say in most cases, children are a blessing and something that we should strive for, not seek to avoid. Psalm 127, 3 through 5, which is what Royce read for us earlier. I wonder if you guys believe this. I hope you do. Sons are indeed a heritage from the Lord. Offspring, a reward. Like arrows in the hand of a warrior are the sons born in one's youth. Happy is the man who has his quiver filled. They will never be put to shame when they speak with their enemies at the city gate. Psalm 139, 13 through 14 says, For it was you who created my inward parts. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I will praise you because I have been remarkably and wondrously made. Your works are wondrous. I know this very well. Friends, we should look at the children and say, wow, aren't they marvelously and wonderfully made by God? What a gift they are. And one of the ways that our culture has drifted into the place where it is, is because the culture doesn't thank God for the blessing that children are. See, the key to remaining a church that loves children is we must always be the type of people who thank God for children. Uh, the Apostle Paul says in Romans chapter 1, one of the reasons why the people fell into sin was their heart was darkened because they didn't honor and give thanks to God. Well, we have to give thanks to God because if not, we will forget the miracle that it is that we have children. And I know you could tell me scientifically what happens in the womb when a baby is made. I, I, like you could show me a diagram and all that. It doesn't make it any less a miracle. I don't care what you say. A human growing inside of another human. Taylor did nothing to make it happen. It just happened. Why? Because God is amazing. What a wondrous gift it is. And especially if you've ever tried to have a kid and you couldn't have a kid for a while. You know how much of a wonderful and marvelous gift that it is. We must always give thanks. You see, you you wonder how we would allow as a culture for children to destroy their own bodies, to mutilate their bodies. Because one day they feel like a cat, and the next day they feel like a dog. One day they feel like a girl, one day they feel like a boy. And we want to give our own political uh, views uh, credence. And so we allow our children to do things to themselves that would hurt them. You wonder why that could happen. It's because we don't thank God for children. We don't see them as a gift. If you wonder how we as the United States could abort 900,000 babies in 2020, and we're only behind Russia and China. If you, if you wonder how we could do that as a culture, how we could stop a, a beating heart by crushing the skull and sucking little arms and little feet out of a womb, is because we don't think they're a miracle. We don't see them. We don't, we don't bless God and thank God for the miracle that they are. Even more tragic than that is that 61% of Americans, according to the last Pew research they did, 61% of Americans think that what I just described to you, the killing of an infant in the womb, is okay in most or all circumstances. Why? Because we live in a culture that doesn't thank God for the miracle that babies are. And if you say, Blake, that's offensive or that's mean. Well, friends, I'm much nicer than Jesus is when it comes to children. One thing that gets Jesus very mad is those who hurt children. Uh, In fact, uh, I'll let Jesus speak in his own words. Mark chapter 9, verse 42. But whoever causes one of these little ones who believe in me to fall away, it would be better for him if a heavy millstone were hung around his neck and he were thrown into the sea. Uh, Friends, you can live however you want, believe whatever you want, but one day you're going to face the Lion of Judah. And I would just much rather be on his side rather than not on his side. Children are a blessing. Children aren't a burden to be avoided. They are blessings that we ought to cherish and thank God for. And that's what we're going to do. 
Uh, and it's, it's sort of like a Christmas gift, if you will. Uh, you can tell if somebody likes your Christmas gift or not by what they do with it. You know, everybody says thank you when they receive a gift, kind of to be nice. But if you give me a gift and then I immediately throw it on the ground or I throw it in the trash or I leave it at your house, you'll begin to think he doesn't really think me for this. He's not very thankful for this. But, well, friends, the same is true with the infants and the children. Are we really going to be excited about it? Are we going to be thankful for what God has given us or not? And as we come into the child dedication, it gives us an opportunity to do that. So if uh, Devin and Lexi, if you guys would go ahead and come up, uh, we'll do the child dedication at this time. I'm going to pray for us and then we'll do it. Uh, Taylor, you can go ahead and come up too. And then I'm going to have Tim come up because it'd be very weird if I did this myself. So I'm going to have Tim ask the question so I don't have to ask it and then run over and say, we do, and then ask another question. Uh, (laughs) Although that might be fun. Uh, So I'm going to pray for us. And while I do, you guys can go ahead and come up. Father God, thank you so much. Uh, that we get to do this. Thank you for the gift that we have today to dedicate these two baby girls. Uh, God, I think it's interesting that both of them have the middle name of grace because that's what they are to us. They are an undeserved favor that you have given us. God, I pray as parents we would steward this gift well because they're not really our children. They are your children. God, you've entrusted them to us for a short time. And I pray that we take that responsibility very seriously. Jesus, we love you. And we praise you. Amen.